that was a pretty predictable outcome to the Kings game with the Kings on the second night of a back-to-back after an extremely tiring and emotional game against the Warriors and the Clippers coming off an embarrassing loss against the Nuggets without three of their best players. I came into this game fully expecting the Kings to not win. But that's obviously not an excuse at all for how poorly they played. And this was the second back-to-back that they've played all season. And it felt like an exact copy of the first one. The first one was against the Pelicans. And they, they came out early and kept it pretty close despite incredibly hot shooting from the Pelicans. That was the exact same thing that happened in this one. The Clippers could not miss. I thought, though, the Kings actually played pretty good defense early on in this one, but they were keeping it close, keeping it close, and then it just all fell apart. But I felt like the Kings were playing better than the Clippers to start this game. You could see why the Clippers have been struggling, because they they don't have a very good team offense. They just have a bunch of individuals out there. But in this game, they just happened to be knocking down their shots. The Kings were actually rotating pretty well, forcing them into tougher shots. And you said James Harden outscoring his season average in one quarter. Paul George was knocking down shots. Kawhi Leonard was knocking down shots. Everyone was knocking down shots. And the Kings were getting open shots and just not knocking them down. It was a positive start to the game. I thought the Kings did a a pretty good job of forcing Zubats and Mann into taking some of the shots as opposed to the stars of the Clippers. The Kings were dominating the glass. They were getting offensive rebounds and just couldn't score off them. And then, like I said, it just all fell apart. The Clippers got into the penalty with over half of the second quarter remaining. They were getting to the rim at will. The defense just totally fell apart, and then the Kings started settling for bad three-pointers. I thought early on they were getting good three-point shots, and they just weren't knocking them down, but then they just started settling for three-point shots, which is exactly what happened against the Pelicans. Just being on the second night of a back-to-back and settling for three-point shots, not hitting them, and then getting blown out from there. The Kings had a winning record uh, in back-to-backs last season. They, the last time they played the Clippers on the second night of a back-to-back, they won 176 to 175 in double overtime. So yes, back-to-back suck, and you could see the energy is not there, but it's not an excuse for how poorly the Kings played, especially in the second and third quarter quarters of this game. Really, it was just both teams going up and down the court, settling for jumpers, and just one team was making them one team wasn't, but the Kings are are at their best when they are playing a fast-paced game. But there was no sense of urgency from the Kings. There was no pushing it in transition, and they fed right into how the Clippers wanted to play. The Clippers want to play slower basketball. James Harden was just out there taking Zubat screen after Zubat screen and just picking the Kings apart. The defense got way worse in the second half. In the first half, like I said, it was mainly the Clippers just hitting shots. In the second half, they stopped hitting those shots as much, at least the tough ones, but they were getting much easier shots. They were getting right into the lane 
whenever they wanted. Harrison Barnes was not athletic enough to guard Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, Sabonis is not the type of rim protector you need at the rim if you're just letting everyone go straight by. Chris Duarte couldn't defend either Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, and so he didn't even start the second half. It was Vezinkov who started the second half, and I'll get to him because he was pretty much the one bright spot of this game. No Keegan Murray in this game meant it was always going to be really tough for the Kings to guard all of the Clippers players, and there were mismatches everywhere. And it's obviously, it's a hole that I've talked about a lot, the wing defense for the Kings. And when you're missing Keegan Murray, then it gets even worse. But that is not an excuse for how James Harden was able to just take a Zubat screen every single time and then either pass to Zubats and then Zubats would bully Sabonis inside or they would just let James Harden right by. Like whatever the Kings tried to do defensively, it didn't work. They they threw a bunch of different looks. Trapping never worked. Trapping was like the, the worst option. The closeouts from the Kings were horrible. Letting the Clippers pump fake super easily and just get right into the lane. The Kings were actually making a, a fake comeback late in this game. Honestly, I just, I just wanted, it was dragging on for so long. I just wanted it to be over, but the Kings stayed in the game because of Fox and Monk, but they could not get a single stop. In the game last season against the Clippers in LA, in that double overtime win, the Kings came back from down pretty big late, but they did it through forcing turnovers and obviously scoring quickly off them. But, you know, it was good defense turning into offense. This was just the Kings finally finding how to score offensively and just not being able to stop the Clippers once. The Clippers barely turned the ball over in this game. They had four total turnovers. Four. Four turnovers. The Kings had 14 turnovers. And it really just felt like the Clippers were doing whatever they wanted offensively. Yes, the Kings don't match up well with the Clippers, but this was not purely about matching up. This was just about energy and effort. It just, it looked so sad out there. And, and like I said, like I didn't expect the Kings to win this game because I expected energy to be low. But like at some point, especially when you're trying to make the comeback in the fourth quarter and you are scoring on one end and you're cutting into the lead, you get it down to like 12, 13, it still felt like there was just not much effort defensively. And we weren't getting the same rotations that we were getting in the first quarter. The few bright spots in this game, Fox was good, 40 points. You know, he did his thing offensively and he had his free throws in this one. You had Vezinkov who came in, played 24 minutes after being really good against the Warriors last night. And he was knocking down his shots. The Kings kind of just decided to go full offense in the second half by starting him because Duarte just, I mean, if he's not stopping anyone, I mean, he actually wasn't horrible offensively, but if he's not stopping anyone, you might as well just go fully into offense. Plus, Vezhenkov gives you a little more size and he was blocking shots against the Warriors, so you might as well go with it. We saw a lot of Sasha at the four, Lyles at the five. Lyles did not have a great game. I mean... he was being asked to guard Kawhi Leonard, and that's just 
a, a recipe for disaster. Although, I mean, he could have done a little better, but it, it was his worst game of the season. I think he's played four games now. I would have liked to see a little more Kessler Edwards. I mean, I think we could have given that a little more of a shot. I thought there were a few moments where his length was bothering people. Uh, and then Malik Monk, I guess, was the other bright spot. Like I said, he also helped the Kings uh, with that you know, offensive burst in the fourth quarter, getting to the rim, drawing fouls. He was 7-for-7 seven seven from the free throw line, scored 15 points total. Really, the... The reality of the King, this Kings team right now is there are certain teams and kind of a lot of teams that the Kings just really match up poorly with. And then there are other teams that the Kings match up really well with. And that's just because of the way the roster is constructed right now. There will come a day where we do not have to start Harrison Barnes. And I really would love to see what Harrison Barnes can do off the bench because I think him not having to guard the other team's best wing player and him not having to play 34 minutes a night and him not having to play against the other team's first unit, I think he could actually be a good offensive player for us off the bench. But the problem is, we talked about this when we were going up against Zion. I mean, there were a lot of parallels between this game against the Clippers and the game games we played against the Pelicans. And... We just really need a bigger wing defender or just better. I mean, it doesn't even necessarily have to be bigger. You know, a guy like Alex Caruso or a guy like Torrey Craig, guys that I've, I've really liked with the Bulls and that I've talked about, they're not even that big, but they would absolutely help a lot. Sabonis was just horrible offensively in this one. He scored one two-point shot in this entire game, missed eight. He hit two threes, so at least that. I mean, his mid-range was not going down. He got blocked by Zubats three times, and Zubats was going at him on the other end. Like, the last game against the Warriors, he didn't score a lot, but I thought he played pretty well offensively still. In this game, he didn't score a lot, but he didn't have that same impact offensively. He was He was really bad. I don't really blame him as much on the defensive side of the ball just because I don't know what he's supposed to do when literally everyone on the perimeter is just getting blown by and no one is navigating screens well and the entire Clippers team can't miss. It's been such a an odd season for the Kings because when they lose, it's been really bad. And when they win, then, well, they've been winning more often than they lose still. So, I mean, w when they lose, there are things you can point to and be like, this is clearly why they lost. And there are excuses. Like, you know, two of our losses are, well, we've been on the second night of back-to-backs. In this one, you could be like, we didn't have Keegan Murray to match up against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. In other games, you know, we didn't have Fox. It feels like still in those losses, you should be able to put up a little more of a fight. Like, the... We've gotten blown out a lot. And I just, I don't know how to feel about that because we're still 10 and 7. We've still played most of our games on the road. We've still had some really good wins against some really good teams. And we've played great at times. But we've dug ourselves into a lot of holes. And 
a lot of times we can't dig ourselves out because it's just too much and you can't do that every night in the NBA. It would be nice if we didn't have to wait until the trade deadline to shore up our wing defense. I'm not looking for a big splash, just just any any body to just slot in there and just play some defense. They don't even have to be someone that plays on a on a nightly basis. Just someone when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George can't be stopped, that we can, you know, throw them out there, break glass in, in case of an emergency type of guy. But really the problem is we have to use Duarte to guard bigger guys, which I think he could be good guarding smaller guys. Like I, I think he would have been better if he was the one guarding Harden, but he's the one that has to guard Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. Kevin Herter had an okay game, which was, I, I don't know, it was kind of weird. He couldn't hit threes. He was not the one getting scorched defensively most of the time. And I felt like he continued to play well offensively despite not being able to hit his threes. And then you kind of had the flip side with Davion where he came in, got to the free throw line, hit a three, made a couple baskets, but then we still weren't playing well in his minutes and then he clanked a couple threes and missed some other shots. For me, like you you see Davion come in and make some plays and hit some threes, maybe get to the basket, but it never feels sustainable. It feels like he might score in a little one minute burst and then he's just not going to do anything offensively for the rest of the game. It never feels consistent and he just isn't a guy that you can throw out there to guard a, a Kawhi Leonard, a Paul George. And I just keep thinking, like, why can't he just be a little taller? Why can't he just be Herb Jones? Like, oh, if the Kings had a guy like Herb Jones, that would just be amazing. JaVale McGee got some run in the first half. He got five minutes. And, I mean, I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was active on the boards. He ended up getting three offensive rebounds. But then the Kings decided to go small in the second half just because, one, they needed to switch things up, just just try anything different. But two, just they needed more offense and that, more shooting because shots were not falling. Maybe this Kings team just isn't a back-to-back kind of team. I do really like what Sasha has been giving these last couple of games, and it feels like he's really settled in to being in the NBA, and it seems like he can be a consistent contributor and someone that can play good enough defense and, and will give you the shooting on the other end. It's always nice to see, at least, you know, when we lose and, and kind of get blown out, you know, 14 points, not necessarily a blowout, but it was kind of a fake comeback. But it's always nice to at least get Fox to have 40 points to, you know, up his up his average. Uh, you know, at least we we come away with the individual statistics for our guy. Same cannot be said for Sabonis in this one. Sabonis has had some weird games to me because the jump shot looks improved. We saw him make two threes. He's been shooting well from three. But his shot selection in the mid-range is what's weird to me. Because there are some like pretty close mid-rangers that he'll pass up, but then he'll take longer ones, he'll take the threes. 
or he'll pass up a, a really easy mid-ranger just to go straight into a really big body in, in Zubats or Kavon Looney. And I, it just seems like he's always in his head about what shots he should be taking and when sh- what shots he shouldn't be taking and, and he should move the ball. I do think he will figure it out, but it's just been an odd few games for him. The Kings' next matchup is against the Denver Nuggets at home. The Nuggets will be on the second night of a back-to-back. Jamal Murray has just come back back. Uh, but uh, because it's the second night of a back-to-back, he might not play. I'm not sure. Aaron Gordon also has been out, and I don't know if he's going to come back. Aaron Gordon would be huge for them if he plays because I think that's someone that the Kings could really struggle defending. The key for the Kings against the Nuggets is going to be pushing the pace against the team on the second night of a back-to-back, but also just winning the bench minutes because... The Nuggets bench is not great. Reggie Jackson has been playing well as of late. You know, they have Christian Brown, but they are very young. They're very inexperienced. And just, you know, when you look at it, you're not seeing a lot of names that are jumping out to you like you did last season more with the Bruce Browns and even a guy like Jeff Green that was contributing. And so the non-Jokic minutes are going to be extremely key for the Kings. But also, I think you can learn a little from how the Rockets won against the Nuggets a little earlier in this season. And they really just did it by saying, Jokic, you can score all you want. We're just going to try to take away everyone else. And obviously, that's a little easier said than done. But I do think it could be a good idea just because you have Sabonis down low. You obviously don't want him to get into foul trouble. But if he can make Jokic work down there, kind of tire him out, Jokic isn't one going to try to score every single time. And that's just also not the type of player Jokic is. It. Jokic is. And so especially if Aaron Gordon isn't playing or Jamal Murray isn't playing, it's going to be a lot easier to take everyone else away. If we can force Michael Porter Jr. into tougher shots, the game is going to be extremely winnable if it's only really... Jokic scoring but we just need to see the Kings play with some urgency with some pace because that's exactly what they don't do when they're on the second night of a back-to-back so that's what we have to exploit when other teams are on the second night of a back-to-back anyways that is it for this episode of the real report I will be back on Saturday after the game against the Nuggets to recap that game peace